Welcome back to this week's episode of the One Play Sports Podcast. My name is David Hevener, and I'm the host of the show. Today, we have another really exciting interview, but before we get into that, I quickly want to highlight some of the top news from the sports world this past week. First off, let's head to the baseball diamond. The Tampa Bay Rays and the LA Dodgers are facing off in the 2020 World Series. The Rays defeated the Houston Astros in seven games in the ALCS, and the Dodgers took care of the Atlanta Braves in seven games in the NLCS. This season was the first time since 2004 when both of the league championship series in the MLB were went to seven games. The Rays had a 3 to nothing lead on the Astros, who were able to force game seven. The Rays had a 3 to nothing lead on the Astros, and the Astros were able to force a game seven. And the Braves had a 3-1 to one lead on the Dodgers, but were not able to close the deal on the series. The Astros became the first team since the 2004 Red Sox to even force a game seven after being down three to nothing in a series. And the Georgia curse is still as strong as ever because the Braves had three chances to win one game against the Dodgers but couldn't pull it off. The World Series is currently tied at one game apiece. The Dodgers won game one of the World Series eight to three behind a quality start from Clayton Kershaw and the Tampa Bay Rays won game two with the final score of six to four. Game three is scheduled for Friday night. We are currently headed into week seven of the NFL and some of the matchups that I'm looking forward to this week are the Steelers versus the Titans, the Seahawks versus the Cardinals, the Panthers versus the Saints, the Packers versus the Texans, and the 49ers versus the Patriots. The matchup between the Steelers and the Titans are the last two undefeated teams in the AFC going head-to-head for the top seed in the conference. The Seahawks and Cardinals is going to be an exciting NFC West matchup. It'll be a good test to see how the Red Hot Cardinals will do against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. The Carolina Panthers had also won three straight before their loss last week against the Chicago Bears. This week's matchup against the Saints will be a good determination to see where they are against the Saints on Sunday. The Packers are looking to bounce back this week with a win against the Texans after getting decimated by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Sunday. The Patriots are also looking for a bounce back win against the 49ers at home in Foxborough. This game will be Jimmy G's first return to Foxborough since being traded by the Patriots. Patriots in 2017. In some college football news, the Big Ten Conference is scheduled to finally start their play on Saturday. Some of the key matchups that I'm going to be watching this weekend are number eight, Ohio State against Nebraska at noon. And number 18, Michigan is going to be taking on number 21, Minnesota at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And my Liberty Flames, who are 5-0, coming off a victory last weekend against Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, who got their first ever victory against an ACC opponent in football, are going up up against Southern Miss at home in Lynchburg on Saturday. Kickoff is scheduled for 1 p.m. The NBA and NHL are currently both in their off-season modes since their seasons just finished up from their restarts. The NHL is currently in free agency and has already had their draft, while the NBA draft is scheduled for Wednesday, November 18th, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, Golden State Warriors, and Charlotte Hornets rounding out the top three picks as it currently stands. Free agency is also scheduled scheduled to start December 1st for the NBA. Both the NHL and the NBA are currently scheduled to resume at some point after the new year in January. That's a quick recap of what's been going on in the sports world this past week. And with that being said, let's get into the interview.
Before we get into the interview, I quickly want to play a soundbite from today's guest's last football broadcast where announcer Joe Tessitore shares what today's guest has done and what he means to the ESPN network. Take a listen. You know, with Tom Brady now playing in his ninth Super Bowl, much of the national conversation is discussing longevity and all-time greatness. And within our production crew, and for nearly everyone at ESPN, it'll be the same this week. But it's not Brady. It's Dean. Our Monday Night Football star signal caller is making Brady-like headlines himself. That's Chip Dean, the director of NFL broadcast at ESPN since 2001. And he's in the chair right now for his final game. Now, there's a label at ESPN that few still carry, an original 1979er. Chip is one of them, the 10th most tenured current employee at the company. From that small group of young, fearless, hopeful trailblazers who built ESPN from the ground floor up. This is happening right now in our production truck as we remember some of the greatest moments in modern American sports because of the quick decisions born of meticulous preparation from that man, Chip Dean. The NFL, the draft, college football national championships on ABC in the 90s, Big Monday, the historic six-overtime UConn-Syracuse basketball game, the ESPYs, the X Games. Chip was the director of all of it. And now he will direct all of the directors for even more of our networks. He's leaving Monday Night Football. He's expanding his duties. He's going to mentor. He's going to develop the next generation. And he will integrate innovation and technology. If you've ever watched ESPN, you've probably seen something that today's guest has had his hand on in some way. Today's guest is one of the network's original 43 employees that still work for the company today. Chip originally joined ESPN in 1979 as a director for SportsCenter and worked his way up to becoming the coordinating director of Monday Night Football. He is one of ESPN's most accomplished directors. I will list a few of the things that he's been able to be a part of because if I were to list everything, it would probably take up the whole interview. Along with his work on Monday Night Football, he's directed other events such as the NFL Draft, two college football national championship games, along with two Rose Bowls, two Orange Bowls, Big East and ACC college basketball tournaments, the College World Series, the ESPYs, and Wednesday Night Baseball. Chip Dean is also a graduate from the Arizona State University with a bachelor's degree in broadcasting. He also played free safety on a football scholarship during his time at ASU. He directed his last Monday Night Football game in 2019 and is currently serving as a coordinating director at ESPN. I'm really grateful for him being willing to do this interview. Please welcome to the show, Chip Dean. Hello, David. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Chip, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you a little bit? Sure. I was raised in a small town uh, environment, a place called Ridgefield, Connecticut. Uh, small family, three sisters, mom and dad, uh, all involved in sports. My parents were uh, involved with organizing leagues, running teams, coaching teams. So sports has always been in my blood. Ridgefield was a very small town where everybody knew everybody. Sports were important in the community. I uh, played football, hockey, and baseball. Baseball, as you said, I went to Arizona State. 
I'm currently married to my high school sweetheart, have three kids. Uh, one of them works in the business, the other one's in uh, financial marketing, and one's a teacher. So uh, yeah, everybody's doing well. It's been a great uh, journey. That's awesome. So what led you to go to Arizona State? Was it a the football scholarship? Was it the broadcast program? Or was it like a combination of both? Because I know they have a really great broadcast program there. Well, uh, honestly, it was just for football. Uh, I aspired to uh, play big time college football and wanted to be in the NFL. And so back uh, when I was uh, entering college, there was no scouting services. So my father and I basically recruited uh, or found 20 of the schools that I would be interested to play for. I was a quarterback first and foremost. And so I wanted to go to a place that threw the ball and Arizona State was one of the two final schools that I was looking at. And uh, once I took a recruiting trip, here's a small town kid going from Connecticut to Arizona and and seeing a university of that size, and I was smitten from the beginning. So I was uh, offered an, a scholarship, and I, I grabbed it. That's awesome. So how did you end up getting involved with the broadcast program there? Well, it actually began when I was in high school. A gentleman who, who his name was Paul Baker. He was the um, uh, news director and, and the voice of uh, a local radio station, WLAD. And my senior year in high school, he and I had spoken, and I'd said that I was interested in being in communications. Uh, quick backstory is when I used to drive with my parents and sisters to Yonkers, New York to visit our grandparents. Uh, I would listen to baseball games, basketball games, football games on the radio, and I would uh, take my best crack at being a play-by-play guy. So initially, I wanted to be an on-air talent, an announcer. And so Paul Baker asked me my senior year in high school if I would join him as a color commentator for some Pop Warner football games on Sundays. So I did a couple of games and I said, wow, I really like this. So when I went to Arizona State, uh, the broadcasting school, uh, I initially wanted to be an announcer. And so through the three and a half years in communications, uh, my goal was to be an announcer until I took a production class. And I realized that it was very similar to being a quarterback, which I was, or a catcher, which was I was always moving people, in essence, directing people. So that's how I switched from wanting to be a play-by-play announcer to uh, wanting to become a director. Oh, that's awesome. So how long have you known that you wanted to work in sports? Was it something from very little or was it something from when you were very little that you kind of knew that was the path you wanted to take? Or uh, It probably was when I, when I started to uh, probably it, it cemented, uh, became, became apparent in, uh, in high school when I, when I put on that headset and, uh, was giving <laughs> what little expertise I had, but, uh, talking about Pop Warner football. And I realized that was sort of a fun thing. Cause you know, as a kid growing up back then, we didn't have a lot of options. There weren't as many channels. And so I watched as many sports as, as possible and I played as many sports as possible. So sports was a love from the beginning for me. So how long did it take you to get your job at ESPN once? you got out of college? Was it like immediate or how long did that process take you? No, actually that gentleman, Paul Baker, who gave you my shot as a uh, radio commentator in high school, started a cable station and I actually was interviewing for his old job as a radio um, news director. And I decided once I'd seen that he'd started a uh, cable station in Danbury, Connecticut, is the uh, neighboring town to Ridgefield. Um, I came back for an interview and I realized that I wanted being cable television because I wanted to direct at that point. So he offered me a job as a part-time production assistant and salesperson. And over the course of the next two years, I did zero sales and I spent all my time in production learning from a couple of people in that, in that, um, at Channel 10. And I learned how to do everything. I learned how to shoot news, shoot commercials, 
edit, uh, light, uh, direct a newscast, a music show, an interview show. And so that's where I got my beginning background. And when ESPN opened up down the road about two years later, uh, I interviewed uh, for a production assistant job and I worked uh, as a production assistant initially on the uh, 230 Sports Center. I was watching cutting highlights for Chris Berman and Tom Meese at the beginning. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you joined ESPN about two months after the network was formed. Like, did you ever imagine that it would blow up to what it is today? Or like, did you ever picture like you would be a part of something so much bigger than what you started with? No, I think as most people will say is in the moment, you're, you're just uh, trying to not so much enjoy it, but be a part of it. You know, anybody getting out of college, as you can attest to, you know, once you get a job, you don't think about the future, you think about now. So I was just excited, you know, working at a small cable station. I worked with less than professional equipment, um, had to jury rig a lot of things to make good TV. And when you go to a place like ESPN, where they had state-of-the-art equipment, mm-hmm. I was learning that equipment. So it was it was great to, uh, to be able to get hands-on with the best technology and the best equipment equipment in the business. You started off with directing SportsCenter ESPN in 1979, but how long did it take you to transition into the other live events that we previously mentioned earlier? Um, after directing a couple of SportsCenter shows, um, I was a production assistant for, I think, about a year, and then I directed the overnight Sports Center. And then there was a show that they called SportsCenter Plus. It was their version of a, back in the day, a CBS, NBC weekend show that was on from noon to six and they'd, they would wrap around interviews and news and highlights around events, which you see now. And so I was asked to be a part of that. And I got an opportunity to direct that show. And I impressed the executive producer who asked what my goals were. And I said, I'd like to direct events. And so from 1983 on is when I started directing. And so I directed, you know, initially as a young director, you direct sports that don't require a lot of cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, you just focus on you know, documentation and how you communicate. So simple sports, uh, boxing, tennis, uh, basketball, a little bit is a simple sport where you're not changing cameras. So that's how I started. So you directed football games at ESPN for over 28 years with producer Jay Rothman. During that run, both Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football were both consistently nominated for Sports Emmy Awards. And in 2004, Sunday Night Football won a Sports Emmy in the live series category, which is sports television's highest honor. Like, what do you think some of the factors were that led to the success of that producer-director combo over all those years? Well, I was fortunate to work with Jay not only on in football, but in college basketball. We did the World Cup in 94. We did the X Games from 95 to 97. Uh, as you stated earlier, we did, we worked together on the draft, the College World Series, uh, the, the Gruden QB camp shows. So we've, we've done so many different events together. That I, I think what made our uh, partnership so good was A, we were friends and B, we both had a passion for being great at every, at every event, whether it was a four camera basketball game all the way up to a Monday Night Football show. So he always said that he was in charge of content and I was aesthetic. So I was in charge of what the presentation looked like, the best technology, how we did it. It was just a great relationship. 
Um, and we, you know, besides working on sports, I think the thing that we both shared was our care for people. And we treated everybody with respect. Didn't matter if they were a runner or, or what position we felt that we treated everybody as if they were, were all on even ground. We all wanted to be in this team together. So uh, I think that's what we're proud about. So when you were directing Monday Night Football, what was a typical game day like for you? A typical game day uh, would be a, a 10 o'clock production meeting where we would sit with everybody involved in the show, the talent, all the production people, support people. Uh, and we would, Jay would run this meeting where he would go through the schedule of what was happening, where everyone needed to be at certain times. We'd go through the, the key storylines. We'd look at graphics, special elements so that produ- the uh, announcers would know how to, when it came up in the broadcast, they could speak intelligently about it. So we would review the entire show. It's like a script meeting, mm-hmm. I, I believe in film. Uh, we had a film director join us for a meeting once and he said, it was exactly like a script meeting. You go through almost minute by minute. What do we do in the first quarter? How do we end the half? If this happens here, if there was a record, here's how we're going to cover it. So it was a very detailed meeting that lasted around two hours. And then I would usually go to the trucks right after that. And I would work with our operations team to make sure that all the final details of logistics and setup were squared away. Obviously, you know, we had several meetings. I would meet with the stadium people to talk about, you know, the anthem. We did the anthem for quite a few years. So the the blocking of it, um, the people who were flying the blimp or the plane or the helicopter would meet. And uh, the day of was a variety of meetings. We'd go through a uh, rehearsals. I mean, so it's a very, up until the game was about, I don't know what I'd say, six or seven hours of grueling work even before you get on the air. Um, Sideline security meetings, meeting with the officials, camera replay meetings, going through the final elements of the game, explaining to the camera people and the replay people. So it's a very long and um, but but fun day because once the kickoff happened, and then it was, you know, we always said we wanted to make a movie. What was going to be special that day? How could we make a memory? So, yeah, that was a, a traditional long but enjoyable game day. From all the games and shows you've been able to direct over the years, what have been your top, like, three moments? Let's see. If we did it uh, chronologically, I would say probably uh, Jay and I worked together on college football uh, for ESPN in the 90s. And in 97, we were asked to take over ABC's lead college football game. And that was the year that the Michigan Wolverines went on their undefeated season. And so we went from doing uh, pretty good games to the best games. And so that was great. So I would say directing my first Rose Bowl uh, because that place, uh, you're going to ask later, one of my, what are some of the favorite places? The Rose Bowl is clearly one of the top three atmosphere environments for a game. It's spectacular with the mountains. Um, it's got history and tradition in it. You know, we we introduced a camera called a cable cam in it, first time ever done. So it was a camera on a cable that went from one end of the stadium to the other. That ultimately led us to bringing Skycam into the NFL and the football in 01. Um, but I think the Rose Bowl was the first one because of just that setting and someone who played a little bit of college football didn't play as much as I wanted to, but I experienced it. That was just a um, like a dream come true for me to, to direct a Rose Bowl. Like a surreal um, moment for you? I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next, I'd probably say uh, after Hurricane Katrina, we did the Falcons at the Saints that opened up the, the Superdome. And and that game, because of the, the historical nature of it, um, 
just the, the, you know, seeing the people that had gone through so much adversity, just the emotion that day. And because all the news entities were there, it was probably, you know, one of the biggest moments in NFL history because it was, the scope was much larger than the game. It was about people. It was about that part of the, uh, of, of New Orleans. Um, it, that was, that was special. And then, as you said earlier, also, you know, when you get a chance to work at, again, a, a historical place, Madison Square Garden, and to do a six overtime game was just, uh, just incredible. So th- those, those are my, my three top, I believe. That's awesome. And then just, I'm also curious, did you direct the game where Kemba hit the infamous step back? Yes. We had some great, we had, uh, I think some of the great Big East games we had, Allen Iverson versus um, Ray Allen, uh, Connecticut, Georgetown. We had the Kemba Walker run. We had the Jerry McNamara from Syracuse run. I mean, there were some great. My first Big East tournament had was the era of Georgetown St. John's. It wasn't that wasn't the championship. The championship was Syracuse St. John's. But the kind of people that played in the Big East back then were Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen and Walter Berry. And so those were those were memorable games and a, and a memorable tournament. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So kind of switching gears a little bit, but how did the things that ESPN changed production-wise when COVID hit? back in March? Well, obviously, uh, COVID, is, as everybody who lives it, understands the importance of distancing. So you think about things like how close can cameras get to athletes? Uh, as you see in a football game, how far the announcers are apart? Is there plexiglass glass bl- between them? Uh, when you get that many people in a compound in trucks, you have to distance people. So you have to either uh, add more room or put people in other places. So we've become, we've instituted a lot of remote remote people. So we do have uh, a lot of announcers for certain games that are calling the games from home. So that technology of a home announce kit, so to speak, is what we've used for football, green baseball, and we'll continue probably to use it for other sports until there's a, a vaccine. Clearly, the the cost and the, the ability to have to test everybody and create uh, a safe space is, is another challenge. So we have not only uh, have announcers at home, uh, we've separated some of our production people where they're working from studios. Uh, it's called a Remy or a Grammy production. So for instance, on uh, Monday Night Football, there are four replays that come from Bristol. There is a, uh, a graphics uh, machine that comes from Bristol. So keeping people distant, uh, keeping people safe are, are, the, are the biggest reasons. So a lot of technology around try to accomplish that is what we're currently doing. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to pursue directing, whether they might have broadcast experience or they might not? You know, a lot of people have asked me that. And um, I think uh, the best advice is is to talk to as many directors or other production people. Well, I'd say first and foremost to understand, you know, as much about a production as possible. So if there's an opportunity to become a runner uh, and as you do your job as a runner, you talk to people. How did you get your job? What did you learn? What's important? I don't think any one person can give you every bit of advice you need, but the more you're around productions, whether it be sports, news, uh, an interview show, a talk show, uh, a live shot for a newscast, uh, the more you get a chance to see how things are done, how people communicate, how people schedule and manage their time, how people have learned certain skills, what's important to learn. Obviously, in this age of IT and technology, understanding a lot of that is very important. But, um, you know, watching a lot and talking to people a lot and trying to get um, where you can meet people and and be a part of the, the experience right? 
Um, there's a lot of production people that have started as runners, work their way up. They've done graphics or other things. They become camera people or production people. You know, I came from the, uh, I guess you'd say more the AD world. A lot of directors come from either the, as a technical director or as an AD. You know, producers come from a lot of different areas. So I think the director path is a little bit more challenging because there are less opportunities. But, um, you know, if you dream about it and you work hard enough, you know, there can be an opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities, obviously, with technology today that you could, you know, you could direct your own movie and you could edit your own movie on your, on your, on your computer and, you know, sell it to somebody. So try to, try to contact people, talk to people and be in as many different kind of experiences as possible would be my my ultimate advice. When you're watching any program on TV, but specifically sports, do you ever analyze everything that's going on? Um, like, will your directing mind not shut off? Because I know that when I'm watching sports games on TV, my broadcast mind will never shut off. Well, I'm trying. My wife would disagree with, with my statement that uh, I still am at times critical of or or wishing they would do other things. Um, but I'm trying now to be more uh, of a fan and less of a director, which is hard, but I think ultimately I'll get get there. And then, so what's your current role at ESPN now that you're not directing Monday Night Football? And then what's your favorite part about working for the network? Right now I'm a coordinating director. So in essence, um, I'm trying to coach young directors and advise them and talk to them and guide them to understanding maybe how to do certain things better, how to approach a project, how to plan, how to communicate. Um, So I would say it's sort of a three level. Uh, that's part of it. The second part is with the more uh, experienced and skilled directors. I'm collaborating with them so that we can together find ways to improve uh, how we do our job, technology to uh, integrate into our job so we can innovate. And then the last, last part of it is just to communicate through the COVID times is uh, we've done Zoom meetings almost as a director group. There's 30 in the, in the, in the, uh, on the Zoom meeting and we share a lot of personal stories as well as talk about how we're going to get back to work. What are the challenges? How do we overcome those challenges? How do we communicate, manage? And so it's really sort of a, a three-layer job, but it, it's all about the people part, which is a, which is what for me ESPN is about more than anything is, is the people. It's a family atmosphere where people care about each other. Uh, we've always had this can-do attitude. So whether it's introducing new technology, overcoming challenges of the COVID, or in the early days when we were just sort of a establishing ourselves, uh, working together to try to put on the best product. And, um, you know, our motto is serve the viewer uh, anytime and anywhere. So that's, that's our goal. So now just get, there's a couple quick getting to know you segment, quick questions. And then okay. first one, your favorite sports movie of all time. That would be a tie between the natural probably and Rudy. Uh, those, you know what? I probably would change that now. I would probably go remember the Titans. The reason I'd say that is because in our last college football game together. Jay and I did the um, 2000 National Championship at the Orange Bowl and Denzel Washington was going to do the coin toss and he came into the truck before the game to meet us and so he wanted to get on my headset. So he got on the headset and talked to the crew. So that was sort of a cool. So obviously I'm a Denzel Washington fan, but um, so I'd say probably remember the Titans right now is my number one sports movie. Um, We kind of touched on this earlier a little bit, but what's your favorite sports stadium you've been to or a couple? 
if you've got a couple. Yeah, I, um, the Rose Bowl clearly from a um, okay. I'll, I'll do it in the sports that uh, the Rose Bowl for college football, Duke for college basketball. The NFL would probably be Green Bay just because it's so unique. But I was fortunate before ABC lost the Indy 500. I was fortunate to work on the the pre-race show for the Indy 500, and um, that spectacle is incredible. Uh, two and a half mile track. Just the scope of it is incredible. So that also would be in my uh, my list of top places that, that I've worked at. If you could have a meal with one person, past or present, who would it be and why? Well, next to my mom and dad who are no longer with me, I would probably say Clint Eastwood. I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan. I've read a lot about how he does his work. Uh, I've always been a fan of his movies. Uh, he's very versatile. Uh, he can do the tough movies. He can do the movies that make you cry. Uh, but I think because, again, he's a he's got great... Uh, Great vision, but he allows his crew to do their job. Uh, I've read stories where after shooting a movie, he'll basically tell the editor um, sort of the theme of what he's looking for. And he said, I'm, I'm going to go play golf for a couple of days. You have at it and I'll come look at it when you're done. So he's not he's not hands on. He likes to develop people. Uh, people and he likes them to be able to have the ability to do their job. So I, I like that about him. What's your favorite part about working in sports and specifically, or just specifically the broadcast side? Uh, my favorite part of working in sports is probably meeting the players and the coaches. Uh, when I traveled to whatever sports I worked on, I would always share to hear stories about how some of the most successful coaches or players who have ever played the game, whether it be college or pro, I've always found fascinating. And uh, I would always share share at least one story with each of my kids at the time when they were playing sports to try to maybe give them uh, an example of how someone overcame something or what makes them great or how hard someone worked. So I, it's it's always been the people, the coaches and the players that, I, that I've gotten a chance to hear and meet. What's your favorite sports moment you've been able to witness in person or just work at? Uh, I think my <laughs> you'll laugh at this one. I have three favorite sports moments, but they're all from my kids. I got a chance to watch my oldest won a state championship in lacrosse. I got a chance to watch field hockey, excuse me, my, my, my wife corrected me, field hockey. My son, I was there in college when he, uh, uh, he scored the winning run to get his team into the NCAA tournament. And wow. my, uh, my youngest daughter, or our youngest daughter, um, I probably her winning her first uh, conference championship her freshman year in basketball. So my favorite sports moments were all about my kids. I never really had a chance or uh, it just never, I never have seen a lot of sports ev- uh, events in person. I've been to, you know, baseball games with my son or basketball games with my daughter or, you know, events with my wife. And I yeah. went to a couple of things with my dad, but nothing of note. I, I, think, I think I've been, I've seen more events, obviously. Uh, through the lens of the cameras yeah. uh, than I have witnessed in person. So it's kind of piggybacks off that, but do you have a sport you enjoy watching live versus on TV? Well, I, I do think that baseball still is much better live. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to sit in the stadium, to look around, uh, to sit and do your scorecard, to get something to eat, to talk with your, you know, with whoever you're with, your family, your son, whomever. Um, I think it's a good television sport, but I don't think it, uh, I don't think the television cameras can, and the directors capture it as well as just sitting there. The experience of sitting in a, sitting in Fenway or Yankee Stadium, or I've tried to see a couple other stadiums with my son. It's, it's just, that's, uh, it has a feeling that you can't get sitting in 
your living room watching on television. That's definitely true. Did you ever have someone that motivated your work as a director? Like, was there somebody that you modeled your work after? Uh, yes. Um, when I first was at uh, Channel 10 right out of college, I obviously was really started watching directors more closely. I would say I have three, um, three people that I watched hard and studied hard and tried to understand what they did. Uh, I, I did get a chance to meet Harry Coyle, who's considered the, the pioneer of, of, of baseball television because of where he put cameras. So I met him. That was really great. Uh, but I think the two that more recently, um, one of them is still working for CBS. His name is Bob Fishman. He directs the Men's Final Four. I believe he's doing his final Men's Final Four this year. Uh, he is a great person and a great director. And then the other person passed away, unfortunately. His name was Sandy Grossman. He directed the NBA Finals and he did the, um, the CBS uh, lead game with Madden and Summerall when I was watching. So those those three gentlemen were the best at what they did, and I aspired to be like them and tried to tried to mirror, but then add my own approaches to it. When you aren't busy working, is there a specific hobby that you enjoy doing? Like, what do you do in your what do you like to do in your off time when you aren't busy with ESPN? Well, right now I'm taking up the game of golf, so I'm my second year of playing golf, so I'm really into that. So I'm studying and practicing at probably probably as hard as I did football and directing. So I'm into that, but I also like to cook. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to take over a little bit of the cooking jobs and grill and learn the, the finer arts of cooking. That's awesome. And then just one final question I'm curious about, do you have any te- sports teams that you follow? I know you're for your job, you kind of deal with a bunch of ones, but are, are there any teams that you like to follow just from a personal interest standpoint? Yeah, there's two teams I follow. One of them is, is my Sun Devils, the Arizona State Sun Devils. I, 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 I follow them and I connect with my uh, my, my teammates uh, via uh, via social uh, networks. And um, because I worked with John Gruden for eight years, I wear my Raider gear every Sunday and I still keep in touch with him and wish him good luck. So it was a great opportunity to meet him and work with him for eight years and we become friends. And so I'm a Raider fan and I'm a Sun Devil fan. That's awesome. They had a big win last Sunday. Big win. Up at Arrowhead. Yeah, big win. Huge. I think that this is going to wrap up today's interview. Well, Chip, it was awesome to talk to you and learn more about how you became one of ESPN's most accomplished directors. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to do this interview. It was really awesome to talk to you today. Thank you, David. Enjoyed talking to you. Best of luck. Thank you. You too. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you again, Chip, for coming on the show and sharing about all of your experiences from working at ESPN and how you managed to work your way up to where you are today. I know the listeners really enjoyed everything you had to share. I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be taking a couple week hiatus from putting out new episodes. I've got some video work that I've been really busy with. And with this podcast, I want to be able to put my best foot forward when creating the episodes for you guys. And I don't think I'll be able to do that if I'm busy with some video work along with working my lifeguarding job as well and trying to put out episodes. So with that being said, I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off. I'll probably be putting out new episodes middle of November. I've got some exciting stuff planned for when I come back from my little hiatus. You guys will notice that the show intro will have a little bit different of a format than it usually has. I've reached out to my friend Casey, who's been on the show a couple times, and she's going to help me change up my intro a little bit. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. 
Be sure to follow the podcast on all of its social media platforms for the most up-to-date information and content regarding the podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. I hope you guys have a great weekend and Halloween, and I'll see you in a couple weeks with another exciting episode. Woo!